This is the Delivery Space podcast. Whether you're interested in software delivery, business change or transformation, we've got some great content lined up for you. We launch into different areas of project delivery and bring you those insights and experiences that you don't get from a book. Welcome, it's Sharon and Nisha, and this is our episode on the artistry of coaching up. Hi there, Nisha. Hey, Sharon. How are you doing this lovely Sunday afternoon? Very well, very well indeed. Yourself? I am well, thanks, and so happy to have Bob Galen join us today. Hey, Bob. Hey. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you both for inviting me. Not at all. We've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a while now. I'm mainly excited by the book and the advice that you've given through the extraordinarily badass agile coaching guide. You guys can see this is well thumbed for those of you who are watching our episode on uh, YouTube. This is a book that I have used to help guide my coaching journey so far um, and I've been inspired to reach out to Bob as a result of it. So any Scrum Masters, Agile coaches out there, super big plug at the beginning, unashamedly, please go out and buy this book because it will help you. It's got loads and loads of practical testimonies on real life scenarios. So welcome. Oh, that Bob. was very and kind. Very <laughs> kind of you. I thank, love the thank book. Thank you for that. But everyone no. who's listen, everyone who's listening, there is. I have some. The great news is what Nisha said. The bad news is there is no warranty associated with the advice <laughs> in the book. So it is. It is well intentioned, but, but you are coaching on your own as well. So I just want to be clear. Yeah, but you, you know, but actually, before we go into this. Let's get, take some time out and allow you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Take it away, Bob. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm Bob Galen. I'm an Agile coach. Uh, I've been uh, basically an Agile leader, Agile coach. Uh, I, was, I discovered Agile very early. I was an early adopter. I happened on the Scrum paper. There was a white paper that introduced Scrum around 1990. From 1993 were the experiments. 96 was the white paper. I actually went to the conference where Schwaber and Sutherland uh, introduced the, um, the, the essence of Scrum or, or their, their experiments with it at the mm -hmm. time. And I got really turned on. I was a director of an engineering group at the time. So I used to love to experiment with the people that reported to me. So I was excited and I brought back this, these ideas of Scrum and I immediately started experimenting. And luckily for me, I got positive results from it. So that was my genesis. Uh, over the years, uh, I was in leadership roles. I started writing. I started becoming an influencer and gaining experience. I wrote a product owner book uh, around uh, 2009, I think. Uh, just because I, there wasn't a lot of guidance around product ownership. Uh, and I've been an independent coach and consultant for about the last 10 years. Uh, all of that being said, I'm still learning. So I'll, I'll share my experiences today. But, uh, you know, your mileage is going to vary. Uh, and uh, we all, we're all on a journey together in this Agile space. That's what I find fun about Agile coaching and just the Agile journey uh, is I think it's a fun ride. Yeah, absolutely. And what you've said there it really resonates with Sharon and I, because we're always talking about the different scenarios we face in our workplaces in a coaching capacity. Um, and as part of you know, Sharon's business as well, like mm -hmm. um, 
we it is a journey and every scenario every company that we meet um is is different so you know there's no there's no blueprint but that's the fun of it that's what helps you grow right absolutely so bob for our listeners and to set the context um can you explain what we mean by coaching up absolutely uh so it's a good question um and i don't want to get stuck directions i do workshops where we practice coaching we we there i call them dojos where we have uh coaching dojos where we have a triad uh and a scenario so the dojo is a scenario a coaching scenario and then someone is the coach and someone is the coachee and someone is a you know a facilitator or an, a you know a note keeper and runs the retro the retrospective uh and there what I find is in those dojos, I like to change the direction of the scenarios. So I have coaching up scenarios, coaching sideways scenarios, peer to peer, and then coaching downward. And I don't mm-hmm. mean hierarchy associated with that, but downward to me might be an example of a scrum master coaching a team. To me, that might be a downward direction. Uh, sideways would be uh, perhaps a coach coaching another coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it could be it could be coaching positively or it could be coaching negatively. And what I mean by that is that there could be bad behavior on the part of the coach. They're micromanaging their coaching, so you're stepping in peer to peer. And then coaching up to me is just that you're coaching up to leaders. You're coaching out out to the enterprise. Uh, I think in terms of uh, you know or coaching other coaches organizationally, uh, coaching leaders, coaching organizational units, uh, coaching the C level team. So crossing silos to me would be a coaching up activity, maybe thinking systemically, like organizations as systems, systems thinking would be a coaching up activity. Uh, the other thing that's interesting to me about coaching up is it's it's risky, uh, or at least I think it's I think it can, yeah, I think it's riskier coaching up than coaching down, let's say. Uh, power dynamics are different, organizational dynamics. Very often when you're coaching up, these are the people that are paying you whether you're an internal coach or an external coach, I'm just using pay as, a, as an example of the risk, right? Mm-hmm. That they could, they could stop paying you or they could ask you to leave the company. So I, I think part of the, the nature of coaching up is it's much more challenging for the coaches to go there, in, in my view. I identify with that. In my days as a freelancer, I'm not a freelancer anymore as a contractor, um, I would very much have that tape playing inside my head. Why would they want to listen to me? I have experience, but I need to make a compelling case for them to listen to me. And I used to put a lot of pressure on myself. And sometimes that would get in the way. And we'll explore that as we go on. But in the meantime, I know Sharon's got a question for you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's leading off the back of that, actually, because you you spoke about it potentially being a little bit more difficult with coaching up. And same as Nisha, I can totally identify with that. So I'm interested to know, what are your tips for building that relationship with the execs so you can kind of see the organization through their eyes? As I'm guessing, you know, we don't just want to march in and start telling the exec what's right or wrong. So what kind of tips have you got for us, Bob? You're right, Baron. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things that I think I see a lot of coaches who they'll, they'll take their coaching down stance or posture or skills or models and they'll use the, they don't shift anything. So if I'm coaching, if I'm coaching a scrum team, 
whatever I do, let's say I tell the team what to do, or I say that's that's agile or that's not agile, or that's you're not following the scrum guide. So I, I have this prescriptive voice. And sometimes you can get away with that, or maybe it's the appropriate posture coaching down. But if you turn that around and you coach up with that, if you bring that same, what's that? Uh, there's a metaphor. If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a <laughs> nail. If, yeah. if right, you, you need different tools in your toolbox, I think, when coaching up. The, mm-hmm. and, and so don't do that. That's incredibly dangerous for people. And I think a lot of novice or inexperienced coaches do that. Uh, and it, it almost make, it makes logical sense, but it's really inappropriate. I actually think the stances when you're coaching up, if we talk about coaching competencies and or stances, that I think they can be somewhat different when you're doing up versus other directions. But But back to your question, I think the key is empathy. One of the keys is building a relationship uh, and and spending some time to build the relationship. And it's hard when you're, you know, leaders don't have a lot of time. So very often the coaches have a contract that says coach and, and change the world. And the leaders have two minutes to talk to you to build, to do relationship building. And that's all they're going to give you. So you're very driven to change everything as a coach and very motivated. So you don't have a lot of time. Um, And the leaders don't have a lot of time, but I would say that's tough before you start coaching. You really need to figure out creative ways to do relationship building. Uh, One of the things I suggest is just following the leader around in a positive way, not in a lurking way, but in a positive not way, not stalking them, <laughs> but, but try to get invited to their meetings and, and try to go like, if you're, if it's a senior exec, go to the board meeting and just be quiet and listen and, and don't just listen to the words, but look at how the leaders are reacting to one another. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there safety? Is there a leader who's directing the other leaders? What are the directions? What are the goals? What are the outcomes? So that you can really be empathetic. Another sort of mindset of being effective is meet them where they are. So to me, empathy is the first part of understanding where are they so that you can meet them there. Let's say a leader that you're coaching or you're coaching up to a leader of an organization that has teams that you're coaching and you realize that they are as unempowered as you are. I'm kidding around, but as you are, because the CEO is telling them what to do. So now you, you want to look at it from a, from that perspective. Up, they're under pressure. They have fear. They they have uncertainty. They have outcomes that they have to achieve. Uh, part of it is agile, and part of it is traditional outcomes. So in your coaching, meet them with empathy, seek to understand them, really observe what's going on. It's not just the listening, but observe the body language, the emotional field whenever you're looking at them or following them around or in meetings with them or with their peers or in the organization. Uh, another key, I think, is there's there's something I had, I've gone through ORS training, Organizational Relationship Systems Coaching, is a systems coaching model. And one of the techniques that Oris made me aware of is something called meta skills. And a meta skill is the mindset that you put on before you coach someone. So Sharon, if if I if I'm coaching you and you're a leader, and you mm-hmm. and I have had some tension in the past, and I I marginalize you and I say you are a pointed you're a pointy headed manager 
traditional manager who will never get agile. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Like my mental, my metaphor for you is you will never get it. Uh, and you, and you will never change. Now I smile. I shake your hand when we meet, we mm-hmm. have lovely conversations, but in my head, I, I have a, an image. Um, my metascope for you is I'll call them pointy headed Dilbert. You are a pointy <laughs> headed Dilbert manager. Then what's going to happen is you're going, I'm meeting you disrespectfully. Mm-hmm. I'm meeting you. I'm stereotyping you. I'm, I'm not showing it, but I am. Yeah. The meta skill, so that's my meta skill, and that will affect our coaching relationship. Now, what if I flip that and I, I meet you with respect, and I meet you with curiosity, and I meet you with a meta skill of I need to serve you. You are my client. I am in service to you, and and what can I do to help? And even if we take a baby step together, that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Well, that changes the emotional field between us. And so I, I, I find this may sound sort of like psychobabble to some degree, but I actually find that the mindset that we have as coaches to leaders makes a, such a difference in how they meet us. Um, you know, are they resist? Are they respecting us? Do they feel like we're there for them or we're there just to be an agile advocate or something like that? So how are we there? Uh, and then I think the final thing, I think the sandwich around all of these is be patient with yourself and be patient with the leader uh, because change takes time. How did that resonate? I think um, I can totally, and, and Nisha as well, because some of these things we've spoken about before, haven't we, Nisha? Absolutely. Um, about having the empathy, about investing in building the relationship. And I know definitely through my personal experience, that's been so important And you gave a really good tip there about trying to see if you can join some of those meetings because, of course, they may not have the hour slot in the diary to sit with you. But when you're in those meetings, you're getting to um, observe, to understand, like you say, to see how they are relating to their colleagues. And that's really insightful. So for me, that has definitely been a game changer to like you said, be patient. <laughs> it's not an overnight thing, but really focus on building the relationship. And um, I know Nisha, we've we've spoken about this many a time, haven't we? In the in the whole coaching uh, scenario. Yeah, and and one of the like the key things, Sharon and I, we we always notice is the energy exchange. And again, not to sound woo-woo about it or anything, but there is an energy exchange, whether you like it or not. And it makes such a massive difference when you open up a conversation to say, oh, let me see how you're doing agile within your department and within your group. That's what I'm really here to do versus how can I help you? What are your key challenges? If I could help ease a burden in one particular area for you, what would that be? And watch that energy change between the two of you. You could have the most, I don't know, I like a Gruffalo type um, executive in front of you. But to have that energy exchange when they suddenly start clicking onto the fact that you're there to provide support, you're, you're not there to lead with a particular methodology or a five-step plan to sort out any of their challenges you're there to work with them and take input from them so and bob you talk about in your book the push and pull of that coaching relationship because 
once you've established that connection with an executive, they're invested, you're invested, and that chemistry right. is in place. Can you just talk a bit about the push and pull relationship? Because I love that and I have respect for that. Like Sharon and I coach outside of work as well. And you always want to coach people who are invested. So you've built that relationship. You're invested. What's the push and pull about? Well, so push is, is, I'm, push is I'm coaching you. I'm doing something to you. It's, yeah. my, it's partially my agenda. I may ask you for your agenda, but I'm also bringing an external agenda, like convert you to Agile. Uh, and it may be a sound someone sent, you know, someone gave it to me, so I'm not making the agenda up, but I'm trying to do something to you. Uh, and uh, I, I joke in my classes, I teach leadership classes, and uh, one of the things I do early on, it's, it's not a joke joke, but it's I, I explain to people, I'm like, I've been doing Agile for 20 to 25 years, or whatever the math is, and not one time in my entire career have I made anyone Agile. Uh, and and this is a sincere comment. I've not, I've never ever gone into a room, and even even I'm pretty experienced now, <laughs> and I have I have my magic, you know, Bob Potter wand. I've never <laughs> once, it's like, shake shook it at someone, and and suddenly they had an epiphany. The clouds sort of this, you know, <laughs> opened up from their eyes. Oh, oh. this is how. This is, you know, you've converted me to Agile. I am one of you. I, it, You just don't, you can't change people is the point. Yeah. People change themselves. So push versus pull is, well, how do you engage, right? Do you, if you push, you're going to gain resistance because it's not someone wanting to do it. You're, you're doing it to them. Uh, as opposed to the pull is they ask you for coaching. They ask you for help. They gain trust. And there's a, you know, there's a little bit of, blending in it i think a little bit of push is okay occasionally but in your coaching relationship you want it to be more pull uh that the client is asking you is scheduling things for you you're showing value uh mm -hmm. you've shown value to them in some way by serving them and and they see more value in it they want to do that now mm -hmm. now i do think there's a trap and a lot of coaches want to coach it's like the job like doctors what if doctors were on subways and they were like, I'm a doctor. I need to heal everyone. So they start like, you know, telling people to take their shirts off on the subway and saying, I'm going to check your blood pressure or something. And they, they so it's they're not healing people who come into the office. They're just generally doing it to everyone. Mm. Uh, I mean, people would run off the subways or, or there wouldn't it wouldn't be very receptive. Well, well, don't we do the same thing as coaches? We run into an organization and. As a lot of us, not you two, but and not me, but other people, uh, we go in and we're like, and we're being paid instead of we're here to transform the organization. We're going to transform. I'm getting paid a lot of money to transform the organization. So there's a lot of pressure to do to push. I think to be an effective coach, you have to resist that pressure. There's a balancing act. You, you can't. I don't think you can just allow that all to then push through you so that you go out there and just schedule coaching sessions with folks and you make it your agenda. I think that's mm -hmm. a big mistake. I like that. Cause like we, Sharon and I, again, we've been part of so many transformation programs mm -hmm. and Bob, we've, we've seen coaches come in and with that very attitude um, that we're going to, we're going to transform your organization. This is how we're going to do it. And then out comes a grand plan. And you're like, well, 
hold on a minute. How how have the end users, the customers, the departments, the teams, how have they been brought into this, and have they had any say? And if we if this if the situation was flipped and we were part of that, that's the first thing we'd be asking. Yeah. Exactly, uh, wouldn't we? We'd be like, hold on a minute. There's a plan out here. Okay, we can see it. I can kind of appreciate what you're trying to say. Uh, what point did you ask me how this is going to impact my job and my processes that I undertake every day and how I interact with other teams? And what's this going to do for me as a head of a business function or a department lead? So I think inclusivity is a big skill also Absolutely. that we need to have. Well, and let me say one other point, and it goes with what I was just saying. As coaches, we need to be we need to be comfortable with not coaching. Mm. Like sitting, I once coached a client, and the idea was we're inviting Bob Galen in for a week, and we're going to give him an office, and he's going to have office hours. And and they spent a lot of money, you know, and it was a really large group. And instead of me coaching, pushing, it was like well, why don't we just set it up so people can pull me in? And I went in for the first day in my office and, uh, and no one, no one asked me for help. So I sat there, I was writing some articles and I was responding to some email and I had a wonderful day. I read, I read a book in the afternoon. I like science fiction and fantasy. So I read a book and the general manager came to me at the end of the day and it's like, Bob, how was your day? What happened? And, and I was like, it was great. I said, I read a book. I sent some emails. I wrote an article or two. Uh, he's like, what, how about coaching? I'm like, oh, I didn't do any coaching. It was it was a good day. Uh, and I was charging them for the day. So this wasn't a free, I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. This is, it wasn't a free day. But mm-hmm. I looked at, I was just as happy being available and not coaching. And then he did something wonderful. He sent out an email to like hundreds of people, but he, he phrased it properly. He said, you know what? I've done this thing. I've engaged this Bob Galen guy. Don't know if he has a clue or not, but I paid him for the week. He's here no matter what. He gets paid no matter what. And no one, no one, no one asked him for help yesterday, which is sort of a waste of time. Could you please try to think about any opportunities this is a golden opportunity because i'm trying to invest in the organization so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm paraphrasing but he sent this out so the next day i didn't i, I could barely get to the bathroom so people mm-hmm. came but it was instead of pushing it was invitation mm-hmm. he did a wonderful yeah. invitation and and we we didn't sort of force coaching on anyone i mean i literally remember the office i was in it had glass walls it so three people were sitting on my desk or or squatting on my desk because there was no room so literally you know one person would come in or 15 people would come in and it was just incredibly busy and i just remember that juxtaposition but i was the point i'm trying to make is be comfortable with not coaching right mm-hmm. you're you're still doing your job waiting for the right opportunity is not a bad thing And I think, doesn't it make all the difference? Like you said, have patience. And you mentioned kind of like the invitational-led coaching approach rather than forcing or trying to force yourself upon people, which just puts their backs up, doesn't it? Immediately creates that resistance. Whereas when it's reversed, it's just um, a game changer. Absolutely. I also feel cheap when I'm forcing people. I mean, I don't know if cheap, but it's like, you know, I'm... 
how do I make people? You're going to get coached by me, no mm. matter what you want. <laughs> it's just yeah. like I just it just made, it doesn't it doesn't make me feel good as a coach. It's I can do it, and I sometimes do that, but in general, you want I think have that right balance. Yeah, I, I can testify, Bob. Like when you've coached me, you've you've asked and said, "Look, I'm going to actually put my mentorship hat on now. I'm going to." Uh, talk to you about how I would approach this are you okay with me to do this and then I've received the mentoring so I think that helps so much um, I know even from my personal routine if anyone tells me what to do I would immediately rebel it kind of it goes against the grain right and we take for granted that these these guys if you're working with development teams for example they're full of people who know their craft right? Software engineers know their craft, for example. They know what they're doing. So you're not in there. You're trying to tell them what to do, but you're developing a relationship where they can come to you for great practices to make them even better. Absolutely. I mean, back um, to something Sharon said real quickly. Yeah. yeah. I, said, I said meet them with curiosity, mm. but I, I want to maybe amplify it with active, like there's that wonderful mind of a child, so there's curiosity. Well, tell me, tell me, Nisha, why are you not doing Scrum? Why are you not following the Scrum Guide? Well, I couch that in the form of a question, and it and I might it might feel like curiosity, but it's sort of malicious curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. It's and it and it and and it and people are smart. They're going to get that. They, so yeah. they they don't think that you care about them. They think that you're trying to trick them into doing mm. something. But what if we had that mind of a child? Tell me more about why you skipped the, the stand-up. Clearly, you've invested so much in it. Right? What what was the trigger point? I'm, I want to know. Mm. Right? I'm not trying to cheat you, but tell me about it. Tell me tell me that story. And mm. and it's this now what I'm trying to I'm trying to role model this this you know this wide-eyed curiosity of a child and that can be your friend in coaching up and in coaching in all directions is just be curious and use that as part of your sensing so before we respond be broad in our in our curiosity in our open q a and i think you'll discover things that can help your clients over time and and part of that curiosity is you're meeting people with respect i mean people respond you what's coming through is you care about them yes yeah right? I care yeah. about you. And it shows that you, you're taking the time to ask them rather than tell them. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, it's about that mutual respect, isn't it? People don't want you coming in telling them. So I think, um, yeah, definitely having that curiosity really, really helps. But Bob, what about if you're still facing resistance? So you're kind of... You know, you've got the right foundational principles in place, but you're still facing some challenges when you're coaching upwards. Have you got any tips on how you can overcome that resistance if it's still there? I This is going to sound odd, so I'll prepare everyone in advance. <laughs> but um, don't look at it as resistance. So that's a trap. So to me, and maybe maybe you both don't do it, but when I think of resistance, I think of it as a negative more than a positive or neutral. I think of resistance as being an impediment. I think of resistance as being someone's blocking themselves and me from achieving our goals. Uh, 
And so it has this negative connotation, and it goes back to the meta skills I was talking about. So when, we, when I say, you know what, Bob Galen is resisting Agile. Well, I'm, I've already I've already judged Bob now. Bob is a resistor. If you remember crossing the chasm, that model of crossing the chasm, there's there's something at the end called laggards. I've almost mm. you know there's late adopters and laggards. I've almost made Bob a late adopter or a laggard. I've stereotyped him. I've categorized him, and in my mind, uh, and so. I'd say don't look at resistance. Resistance is data. Resistance is not positive or negative. In fact, don't use it. Just replace it with data. Someone is is giving me information, right? It's not. They are not good or bad. They are not resisting or not, or open. They are. They're, they're just. They're not adopting this change. And so I meet them with respect. I meet them with curiosity. I might do deep listening to listen to like what what are the drivers for them, what are the things that are preventing them from going, so I can help them there. So maybe it's not make them do agile. Maybe it's the fact that they feel marginalized or they feel at risk. Maybe they feel like I've been a I've been an architect for 20 years, and now you're telling me that that I have to just be a member of the team and I'm going to be evaluated as a team member. Well, I'm not a team member. I'm an architect. And I've earned that. And so, and let's peel that onion. And how can they have influence? And how can we help them navigate through this change? So to me, uh, I, I would suggest, I love the Virginia Satir change curve. It's a J curve model. And and to me, as, and it's not managing through, there's resistance in the model and resistance is a reaction to the change. So use the word. But what we need to do is, as coaches, is help navigate that curve. And and there's sort of one of the things that trigger you from moving from resistance and chaos is is sort of a realization moment of what does it mean for me? How do I, what's in it for me? So as coaches, we can help. What does Agile, what's in it, what's in Agile for this team member or what's in Agile for this leader that will be an advantage for them. So they can integrate the change in their in their life, in their thinking, and then they can get different results at the end of it. They can get to a new status quo at the end of the change curve. So it's not overcoming resistance, it's partnering as a coach through the change journey is the way I think about it. And helping them to navigate out. If you look at the change curve, there's like the, the there's the <laughs> the pit of despair, or what I call like the change black hole, where we're in the middle of a change. Well, the key thing is how do we how do we trigger on a one-on-one basis? How do we get that sort of self-understanding moment, that epiphany moment, where we can navigate out and really assimilate and align with the change? Uh, and that and that's important. So, I, I that sounded rambly. It feels rambly to me. But I think it's moved from resistance, that terminology, that stereotyping, to maybe think of us as, uh, this is probably not a, bad, a good metaphor, but like a shepherd or uh, a Sherpa or a guide or someone who's guiding people through some really incredibly challenging change. Agile is an incredibly challenging change landscape from before to after. So how do we help leaders? It's not just leaders. It's how do we help everyone navigate that? And I love what you said, um, Bob, that you're partnering with people throughout that change curve. 
So you're, you're in it together, supporting one another. And I think you're right. The use of terminology and language is very important, isn't it? Because like you said, when you say the word resistant, it immediately kind of conjures up emotions. You're possibly um, stereotyping somebody as they won't do what I'm telling them to do, right? which really doesn't help in this invitational style of coaching. So it's, yeah, it's an important point to make. Thank you. Uh, real quickly, there's a, I'm going to forget his name, but I'll get you a link to it. I have it written down somewhere. But uh, resistance as a resource. There's a there's a gentleman in the QA, the software testing community. Uh, I've, I'm, I'm trying to recall his name, but around 2001, he wrote this six-page or eight-page article, and he talked about reframing, looking at resistance as just a resource to us as change agents, hmm. and reframing it from, and that's what I tried to do. It's resistance as a term. To it's a resource, it's data for us to consider. And and he he talked about this going through this reframe. It's not for the, our clients, it's not their job to do the reframing. It's our job to do the reframing in our heads so that we can meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. And I'll share that, I'll share that with you. Because I think it's a wonderful article. And it, it's not related to Agile. I mean, QA at the time was a really challenging space, so that's what he was talking about. But it's it's a general it's a general treatment of reframing reframing terms, reframing the way we look at things. Because the only person we can change is is us. Like if if we can't change other people, and we can't, you can try. And we can't. Well, then we could change how we show up in the situations, and that can actually change the dynamics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty powerful stuff, Bob. Thank you so much for that. And you've even given me ideas for my latest kind of um, coaching stint in terms of you know resistance and the dialogue to start opening up. Um, there's some really cool nuggets in there that you've shared. Thank you so much, You're Bob. Welcome. What are the takeaways that you would love to leave our listeners and, and watchers with? Tell us. I, I one, uh, and I don't have these prepared, everyone, so I'm, I'm sort of thinking on the fly. But one is um, that coaching is really hard. So, so we've been talking about coaching others. We've been talking about reframing our own heads. It, it, a lot of the activity has been internally driven. And then how do we show up? I, I would say flip it around and be kind to yourself. Uh, do, uh, listen, to, it's, it's a really challenge. Agile coaching is a challenging. Being a transformation artist, uh, being a change agent, which is what we are, no matter what direction we're coaching. Uh, dealing with resistance, what we, whatever we couch it as, there is resistance to our goals at times. So being kind to ourselves in that change, I think, is the first thing. Uh, Maybe your first client is yourself. So I'd like to leave everyone with that thought, that your first client is not outward. Your first client is yourself. So like at the end of every day, my God, I I see coaches that I I do a lot of coach coaching and I, I do a lot of coaching. And my heart goes out. I'm like, oh my God, that must have been a tough day. Like Sharon, when Sharon was doing this and Nisha was doing this. And then and then both of them go back in the next day and they don't take a break. And it's like, I'm coaching. 
and, 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 and I, have to, I have to continue to push. And I'm like, take a break. Do you realize how challenging yesterday was? Why don't you go out, take a walk, or whatever it is to recharge your own batteries, to recharge your own passion. Uh, let, connect yourselves to people in your network that, mm-hmm. you know, trusted people, mentors, coaches, get a coach, do some coaching, get a mentor, do some mentoring, really connect to the community, whatever it takes to recharge your batteries, to recharge your passion, to recharge your energy, to recharge your learning. Uh, I, I'd say the biggest thing is invest in yourself before you do a lot of the stuff that we're t- we're talking about, just to realize how challenging it's awfully rewarding. I wouldn't want to do anything else. I mean, it's I'm so grateful for what I do, but I also have to recognize that it's one of the most challenging jobs. Maybe there's what you know, in military, firefighting, police, and then agile coach or something. <laughs> so, so maybe, maybe there's some hierarchy like that. But uh, so, I, and I think I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much, Bob, for sharing your experiences and your wisdom with us. What platforms can people find you on if they want to work with you or to connect with you? So, absolutely. So, I do a podcast called The Metacast. It's meta-cast, all one word. Uh, and I've been doing that for a number of years. And it's it, you know, that's, a, that's a place to listen to me share thoughts with a buddy of mine, Josh Anderson. Um, though I have two websites, a business website, but my, my personal landing page, my little soapbox, is something called Agile Moose. Uh, and, uh, and it's just, I don't know, I like moose. I have a little... I have a little moose here figurine that I always have at my <laughs> desk. So I'm I'm an agile moose. And you can see a picture behind me. There's a moose picture behind me. So I'm an aficionado of agile mooses. So that's the best way to, to find me on the web is agile. Ag, look for agile moose. Uh, and I have uh, some materials around the book there. Uh, I talk about agile coaching there. Uh, and that's, a, that's probably the best way. And I've written a few books. So you can do a search on Amazon for more large uh, things. And I'm a wordy writer. So for some of you in the generation that like very crisp, short pieces, um, you may have to be patient with me. It takes me a while, uh, but I usually try to add value. So I, I, I'm trying to trim my word count, but in general, most of the stuff that I contribute is wordier than it should be. So just be patient with me. Uh, that, do you know what, Bob? I really like your storytelling. I think that is one of the big things that comes out of the latest book, The the Badass uh, Guide um, to Agile Coaching. It's the storytelling that actually helps you take those nuggets away because you could see through that how other coaches have dealt with similar scenarios, understand you're not on your own and get some possible solutions and some threads that you can follow up with so i think it's that the storytelling gives you that it's great thank you well thank you so so much for joining us today and sharing um you know some of your experiences i know it's been really helpful to nisha and i and likewise to our audience so i just want to thank you again and thank you to our um listeners for watching and listening make sure you look out for our next video and as always please like follow and subscribe bye for now thank you both bye bye